Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Light the fuse. Well, this is not mission difficult, Mr. Hunt. It's mission impossible. Difficult should be a walk in the park for you. Uh, it's all got to do with the rabbit's foot. Please don't make me go through you. Sir, Hunt is the living manifestation of destiny, and he has made you his mission. Kittredge, you've never seen me very upset. And you really think we can do this? We're going to do it. Welcome to Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast. I'm journalist Drew Taylor, and I am joined by filmmaker Charles Hood. Charles, how are you? I am great. It is an honor to be here. This is amazing. This is the official Mission Impossible podcast. Can you believe it? We've loved this franchise for years. We've chronicled its existence. And now, here we are on the eve, literally the eve, of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. We're here. We're the official podcast. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing to be here. And, and Drew, you and I have known each other since high school. We've been obsessed with movies and we've been obsessed with these movies for years. Like you said, chronicling every aspect of the filmmaking of them. And we're so excited to continue to do that now with our brand new show, Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast, which has brand new episodes every Tuesday available wherever you get your podcasts. And I think for this first month of release of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, we're going to have some extra episodes as well, not just Tuesdays. Oh, really? Okay. All right. Oh, is that news to you? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I have no idea. Wow. I guess Well, I'll I'll be sticking around, I guess, after this. But I think that, you know, we should really start this episode off with a bang. Oh, yeah. And you know what? What, What's better than co-writer, director Christopher McQuarrie and the star of the franchise, Tom Cruise. Yes, and the, together they produced the movie as well, and they are a formidable duo. Uh, we got to go to Rome to go to the world premiere and speak with them in Rome uh, in a hotel, so you get to hear a little bit of street sounds from Rome in the background. It's, hey, it's, it gives it some flavor, don't you think? It does, and this is the day before the world premiere. We had already seen the movie the night before. We were super jazzed, and uh, it was just great to talk to them. Just to set everyone's expectations for our first episode, we've got Cruz and McCory today, but they're not the only interview we've got today. We've got about 15 minutes with Cruz and McCory, and then we've got some other surprise guests, cast and crew, from the movie Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, who we will be talking to later in this episode. Just wanted to tease that before we get going. I mean, you want to do a little... When we refer to Wimbledon, Charles, what are we talking about? <laughs> well, it's actually Tom Cruise who refers to Wimbledon because... The, the previous time we spoke with him uh, on our old show, he actually was on his way back from Wimbledon and we, we talked to him on Zoom. And that was this was our, our first face to face interview that we had with him. So this was uh, that's why that's what that references to Wimbledon. That's great. It's great that he remembers us. And I think that you guys will enjoy this. So please sit back, relax. And this is Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie in Rome talking Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. 
Good to see you. Good to see you. Great to see you. When Congratulations. You Welcome to Paramount. Yeah. Thank you so much. This is the first episode, too. It's amazing. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Great. So, I 20... like the conversation that we had at Wimbledon, though. Yes, yes. Really you were in the car. Yeah, I was in yeah. the car. That was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That was amazing. 2018, you start talking about this movie. How closely do those initial conversations resemble the movie that we're getting? Not remotely. No. Really? Okay. And, uh, yeah, we don't... Uh... We had that in uh, Fallout or Rogue where we were like, oh my gosh, we talked about this whole movie or that moment. Yes. Afterwards. It, yes. It really evolved. Okay. As, as I mean, certain things that we talked about, the train, of course, is there. We, we just talked about all the stuff, the submarine, the train, motorcycles, cars. Those things are there. But... I mean, the evolution we were talking about, Rome, we had an idea in terms of... Ethan's past, yeah. the notion of bringing back Kittrich, and, and once, once we talked about Kittrich, it felt only natural that we were delving deeper into Ethan's past, but all of that really evolved throughout the course of production. The whole thing of the thief, it actually evolved, and then meeting Haley, it's just each actor kind of brought a different story and, a, and a, another... Layer. Layer. So you guys have talked about, for years now, this, developing this visual storytelling, less dialogue and more of the visuals, and does this feel like, I mean, to us... Well, it's it challenging like, with the mission because of the amount of, of plot and, and the things, because you have to have that aspect in the story, but most definitely that evolution of, for a mission movie to have that, it's, this is a luxurious movie, and we, we really went, he yeah. came, said, let's, you know... You want to do another one? He said, I want to do two, because the story, we always have so much story, so we wanted to cut it in half. And I think that, that was a great idea. But every anytime we're you going... You did not say that I, every <laughs> day. No. And there were days where you looked at me, you went, you wanted this. Yes, when he's looking at me yeah. exhausted, he's like, oh my gosh, you got to do this, and we're heading to another production meeting. I'm like, this is your idea. This is your idea, man. We would have been finished with this movie, and we would have been working on our next movie, okay? Yes. <laughs> That is very true. And now we're shooting seven going, what's, what do we do with There's eight? There's no end to this. this is just... <laughs> yes. But it, but it's was, pretty it, exciting. it proved, it proved to be, uh, it proved to be the right idea in that yeah. it, it, it gave us the room to really explore the story to, and, and to give every single character in the movie their moment. That's just vivid characterization. I mean, you guys saw it last night. Yeah. yeah. You know, in Dolby, you see every character and we, you know, we really focus on that in every film we make. But it did allow that kind of the breadth and the scope of the story, even though the film is going at a sprint. Yes. You know, so that's. <laughs> the only thing that can keep up with you running is the pace. <laughs> it's the pace of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, when did you kind of. Dis it is kind of a runaway chase movie. And I was wondering when you kind of settled on that structure. Was that something that you discovered during production? Was it in the edit? I think we probably realized that as we were watching the movie a couple of days ago. <laughs> it, we're so head down and we're so focused on story. We're so focused on making it the most immersive experience we can. Just like with Fallout, it wasn't really until we put the movie together and stepped back from it that we understood the scope of what it was. And I... I uh, the impact of something where we're looking at it, there's always that moment where we're thinking, do we do enough? Do yeah. we have... Is it... Look, we no never one can be think it's big on enough us than us. Yeah, we never think it's big enough. And feeling, you know, but, but the rhythm of the movie. We're, we're, we are. We do have our eye on the rhythm of the structure and the rhythm of the scenes. It's very much we're in it, and we step back and go, how's how is not just pacing, but is it 
the rhythm, the emotion, the engagement, you know. And the musicality. Yeah, the musicality and the engagement with the audience. Right. Are they engaged? Are we engaged? And constantly watching that to make sure that, you know, when people talk about air or something's too long, it's not timing. It's, am I invested in the story? Am I, do I know where I am in the story and in, in the place where I should know where I am? And am I invested in, in this journey in the world? So the things that when you look at how luxurious the film is, the locations, you know, from one thing to the next, and it has all the stuff that we've always wanted to do, submarines, horse riding, you know, the stuff that- The is, Arctic. The, you know, that's in the next one. Well, no, there's stoves on the ice cap. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. You, yeah. Spoilers. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, we're obsessed with this, with having a snow scene in a Mission Impossible movie, so we're yes. very excited. Yeah. 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 That's a good idea. Yeah. That's we, a very we'll good idea. We'll take that under advisement. We'll take that under advisement. Yes. I didn't say what I just said. Yeah. yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. The, the process of these movies, the way you make them, is so unique, and... How much of that is while you're shooting, when you're shooting a scene and you're thinking about the visual storytelling? Are you, are you, know, it's you interesting are you that you say it's unique. The... It's interesting because I, I wasn't raised in film that way. I, the way that I've made movies and learned, and when you study the history of cinema, they are made in a cauldron of fire, in compression. And you have to be, you've got to step back and look at it and be able to shift your viewpoint and going, what's working, what's not working. Obviously, we're taking it to a grand scale. I mean, every day we worked on Rain Man, Hoffman and I would drive to set together and we wrote the scenes, give it to the director, rewrite. We were working on that film for two years beforehand. It's not like we didn't have structure, okay? The stuff, and he and I, when we started with Valkyrie, is the same thing. Every Like, the way that I work on films is, you're constantly working. You don't just read the script and learn your lines. It's you have to evaluate, is this, where is it? Is, is this, how do you write for this actor? You know, every film that I've ever worked on has had this process. And, and the ones that, and it's having the courage to be able to shift and know. And in the earlier days of Chaplin, Lloyd, Buster Keaton, they all shot, reshot, reinvented their movies. Irving Thalberg. Just about every movie. Yeah, that you had to. You know, you're Casablanca was made that way. Yeah, they, they, didn't they didn't know, know what, what they was had. going on. It happened one night. You know, as they're going through these films, the point is we want to make a great movie. And we're going to push all the way. It's not like we're working. What we love is, is I love being on a movie set. I love working with him because he's his sense of structure and how he can pivot so quickly, how he can write for an actor and grasp a moment and see it and go, no, 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 this is the light. Here, this is interesting. And and both of us together to be able to chase that and move such a massive ship. I mean, I've, I've produced so many movies and spent studying movies from as a kid to the studios, to distribution, to every aspect of filmmaking, to be able to work with him where we can together go and shift and say, this is working, this is not working, but also to understand the resources that we have as filmmakers and say, here's the resources we have to make this movie. And that includes every aspect, our energy, our creativity, the artists involved, the crew involved, the time that we're allowed to shoot a movie. We don't have all the time in the world to shoot this film. There are limitations that we have, yet we look at these limitations as these barriers as opportunities. Yes. And something that is that is that requires tremendous amount of discipline. And the things that we do is we work and teach people how to do what we do and we spend time with the actors to go, look, this is, this is what's gonna happen. And you have to be facile, you have to really know your craft to be able to move just like that when you see the opportunity. And to recognize the ripple effect that'll be caused by making that change. For the entire structure, not just yeah. a moment. It's not just a matter of going, oh, that's a great moment. 
You have to go. That's a great moment. That what changes is, everything. <laughs> yes. But you also have to have the understanding of the structure, the tone of the movie overall. So that you can have certain actors that are great actors and they can create great moments, but is it contributing to the overall story? That's our responsibility to go, that's a great moment. There'll be other great moments. This steers the ship in the wrong way. So here's a great moment that aligns with the overall motif and structure of the movie. And that's what we're constantly encouraging and, and discovering. And, and here's a great moment. And sometimes there's a great moment. How do we shift everything to have that because it's yeah. so much better? Like with new. That's, that's in, the in great Ascent. example. That's the great example of Vanessa Kirby in Fallout. Her third scene in the movie was her first day of shooting. And Tom had a completely different backstory. That we'd worked on for a year. That we prepared and were marketing the film based on that idea. And when we discovered what made New a more compelling Vanessa, a more compelling character, Tom's whole side of the scene didn't fit anymore. Didn't so work. when we turned the cameras around, we threw out his whole backstory. Wow. That changed the everything. Movie. And it was better. We're, it's a better movie for it. Absolutely. And the point was is... But that's also, an, that's also a very good example because I don't want to... I don't want to blow past that. That's a very good example of what he does for his co-stars. That he's not sitting there in the scene going, how does the entire scene benefit me? And how does your performance serve my objective? The ultimate objective is the engagement to the audience and the likability or the affinity we have for all the characters, whether they are villains, whether, whether they're antagonists. You see Tom constantly elevating the people around him and he's he's serving everyone in the scene not just serving the guy on the we're serving the story and that's what i love yeah. about you also and to be able to go you and i together i remember that day we were under a lot of pressure because the light we're in paris we had we had to finish this day we were there on the seine it was vanessa's first day and it was the first day of working with us where we're throwing out lines and doing things suddenly she did something and you're like oh my god that gosh. was cool and we walked away we walked away and both of us were like you know that thing we were working on for a year i don't think yes uh, we, were, uh, we literally shot literally, her coverage first and that's we were turning the camera and i was like that, your not, side of the scene doesn't work. Gonna work it doesn't work it's, yeah. it's not going to work and so we were and we went back and the you whole have to thing quickly about, play the unshot movie through your head and everything you've shot and like, all how the is this going to affect everything. everything i have done and went yeah, okay, throw it yeah, out. Okay, we throw it out. It. We can do it. And then it was oh, the whole wow. thing of family. What are you going to do? And her whole thing. We were discovering those moments. And you, I just love that character. In the moment. I love that character. Oh, she's I, great. I love what she does. I love that character. But that, that is an example of what we're looking with every, with every character. And with Ethan. And he's doing it with me with Ethan. It's like what finding that, what's the engagement with the audience? Right. It's yeah. all about that. We'll be back with more from Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie in Rome after the break. Rise and shine, football fans. Start your day the right way with Morning Footy, a podcast that covers every aspect of the global game, headlines, match previews, analysis, interviews, culture, fashion, and plenty of banter. Join as we track the thrills and spills of Europe's biggest title races, the business end of the Champions League season, a summer packed with international competitions, MLS, NWSL, and much more. Subscribe to Morning Footy. Hey, your, your scene with Haley. Yes. His introduction with Haley. He's doing 
this practical practical magic all real that's real magic it's all real and it's a very difficult trick to do and just to get right and he was doing it and we kept having to do it kept having to do it and you could see tom was just getting a little more frustrated so much we had to shoot that day we were so behind and he was getting more and more frustrated i was like we got to get this we got to get this so finally tom just started you just saw him doing the magic trick and he was like this key and he just it gave him this little edge you could just see him getting a little bit edgy with him and i th- and the scene had been written that there was real charm between the two characters and you suddenly realized this is a much more effective energy because it gave them a place to go they didn't start from a place of real affinity with each other you realized actually ethan would be very aggravated by this person yes. <laughs> yes. it wasn't our instinct it was all a matter and when it you was, were pushing that you you had a very good note on that you're like i think it should because we, we, we're exploring the scene and when you yeah. saw it you're like that's the scene the, well i felt you it, saw it, just, it you're like that's you, you it you saw it like, you oh. felt like oh this is what were we thinking this is right this is what the scene needs and we the other thing that he's very good at doing he gives options he'll give you the same line five or six different ways so that you can shape it and tune it and there's there's shape the there's, tone anyway. there's a lighter version a darker version a funny version a serious version and so there were so many different ways to edit that scene together but that that little element that little element of edge in the scene created a distance between those characters that they had to overcome. I was so grateful when I saw you like that's the moment and when when we were looking oh. we were looking at the cut I was like oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, this is exactly thank, thank you, you so much. It. Thank you for doing it. Yeah. We, we were doing it and it was one of these things and every take I I'd, I'd be doing it, he goes I saw the key. I was like okay, let me just do it again. I was like he goes and he just goes I saw the key do it again. I'm like so you could see it, like it was a long time and then I was finally like I just cuz my hand position everything had to be right. Yeah. He goes I saw the key. You know, we're not using any visual effect to take it out. It's got to be right. That was our whole thing. Right. It was like we do not want no, any digital. You don't have to do the magic. And you don't. Trick. You want. You don't want my hands like this. So, and I finally, I was just like, this key. So you could, this key. You know, can you could feel sick. underneath this. Like, this I'm sick. The scene. The scene. Can we okay? just move on? Can I just like this is going to work? I'm going to will this to happen. And it was just like, and I just did it. And there was a pause. And he looks at me and says, okay, we got it. Here's what's going to be so funny is when we're watching the movie again, they're going to be the only two people in the theater laughing hysterically. Now understanding what you're performing. I'm just thinking, just, I really hope that worked. I'm just trying to be a little charming here about this. I'm really frustrated. <laughs> They're telling us to wrap. We have to tell you how good your hair looked in the movie, though. I mean, that's really... Yes. Yeah. You know, that's Great. what we're here for. That's yeah. what it's, it's what you're here for. Yeah. yeah. That's what you're here for. Yeah. There you go. Dad yes. jokes for yeah. you. Yeah. 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 Thank you guys both no, so much for coming. Thank, Thank you. you. So good to see you guys. See you soon. Charles, how do you feel about that interaction? I mean, it was an honor to talk to Cruz and McQuarrie in Rome. I mean, it was so exciting. We got to see it was overlooking the entirety of Rome. It was so amazing. And uh, it was just, yeah, an honor. I love everything that they talked about with us. It's just uh, to hear about the close up magic was mind blowing. I love that. It was so funny. Truly a thrill. And uh, we're not done yet. Are we, Charles? We're not, actually. And I just wanted to quickly point out that for those of you who know our old show, you know that all the music was done by our composer, Kevin Blumenfeld, and he was always doing a legally dissimilar version of the Mission Impossible theme so that we wouldn't get in trouble when we were unofficial. 
right? We didn't want to. We didn't want to actively make enemies. You know, <laughs> no. no. But we were also a little worried for him, and uh, he, he's. He, you know, we joked that he was on the run a little bit, and, uh, but uh, no, it's fine. He's he's totally great, and he's not in trouble. And it turns out, all the music you hear today in this episode is legally sanctioned, and it's done by Kevin Blumenfeld. He's finally gotten to do his version of the Mission Impossible theme and the plot theme, which we've talked about before as the secondary music. Uh, these are all themes by Lalo Schifrin from the old television show, Mission Impossible. And uh, it's amazing to have Kevin get the chance to do this music. And we think he's done an incredible job with it. We're so thrilled. And if you stick around during the credits for Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, you might notice a familiar name who contributed to the soundtrack, to the score. And that name is Kevin Blumenfeld. So. <laughs> yeah, you might notice him under the additional music credit there. <laughs> Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty amazing. Yeah. So next up, we've got uh, another interview from Rome. We talked to Greg Tarzan Davis and Shay Wiggum. They are a duo in the movie. And uh, we've actually talked to Tarzan before for Top Gun Maverick on our old show. But this is the first time we were meeting Shay Wiggum. And uh, they are an awesome duo in this movie yes they play uh tarzan plays Degas, and shay plays briggs which is a name that if you are familiar with the tv show might ring a bell yeah but uh, yeah we haven't quite gotten to the bottom of that but trust us we will do our best and uh yeah here it is shay and tarzan and we'll be back right after This is a question for Tarzan from Macquarie. He said to give you a big one. He wanted us to know, what was it like the day you got the call? <laughs> so the day I get the call from Chris, uh, uh, he's calling me about, he's been calling me about Top Gun ADR. So I'm like, okay, listen, McHugh, if you call me about Top Gun ADR, you can go shove it up. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm not calling you about that. I'm calling you about Mission Impossible. And I'm like... I'm listening. Keep talking. <laughs> so he explains it to me. And I have my phone on mute. And I'm just jumping up and down. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And the whole time he's explaining it, and like, we don't have, you know, we saw you in Top Gun. We loved you. You know, we wrote this character for you. We don't have a script. You know how we do. We're working it all out. And I'm like, okay, cool. I mean, I didn't say anything. So he's like, hello, hello. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, And uh, he's, like, he's like, so do you want to sign on? And I'm like, yeah, yeah I guess. And, and I try to hold it in, but I'm like, yes, thank you, yes, I want to do it, I want to do it. And he tells the story. Now, he was like, I thought I lost him. I thought he wasn't interested. And I was like, no, I was interested. I was just trying to play cool. Shay, were you also jumping up and down when you got the call? Well, yeah, I, I, I'd I seen McHugh at somewhere, and uh, we happened to be in, back of, uh, in front and back of each other, and I said to him, um, I'm a huge fan. I'm not going to be too cool for school. And I had just done something. He had just seen it, and he says, you know what? I'm going to write something for you in mission. That was in January of that year. And I wow. said, cool. I've, if I had a nickel every time somebody said that. <laughs> so the whole calendar year goes by, and I'll never forget. It was December 13th, and I'm at home. And I get a, this whole year goes by, and I get a, I get a cryptic text that says, is this still you, McHugh? <laughs> and I said, I, said, I said, baby, this is either really, really good or really bad. I said, it is. He goes, I'm going to call you in, I'm going to call you in five minutes from a European uh, landline. Make sure you pick up. So I go, holy shit. All right. So I, he calls, and, and I said, hello. He goes, hey, it's McHugh. It's Chris McCoy. How you doing? I said, I, I, I think I'm either going to be really, really good or really, really bad soon. And he goes, wait, hold on. I got somebody who wants to talk to you. And I said, okay. And he goes, hey, it's Tom Cruise. How you doing? And I'm not kidding. It buckled me. It literally it buckled me. And my wife looks at me, and I'm like, 
And I said, yeah, he goes, listen, how'd you like to come not be a part of one, but two Mission Impossibles? And I'm not kidding you, man. I, I got choked up and I had to hold the phone out here for a second because that's, that's every actor's dream. And I think I went up in my room, yeah, yeah, I'd love to be a part of it. <laughs> Weeping like a baby, you know, and, and from there on, I mean, it's, it's exceeded every expectation that I had going in. You feel like you're showing him the ropes? Listen up, kid. I'm gonna take you on this journey. Is that, is that the dynamic? That is a great impersonation. <laughs> That's exactly how we want. No, yes, he actually was showing me the ropes, though. Like, um, I, I tell a story about how when I first got to uh, Norway, and he took his time. He had just landed. He came up there. I was eating by myself. He said, "Hey, just want to introduce myself. I'm Shea Wiggum. I'll be working with you. You, you know, I'll be your partner." And from then on, we had this great relationship where I can. He's made me a better, not better actor. To be honest with you, working with a veteran like him, he's like, uh, you know giving me his advice and his takes on things. I'm like, oh, that's, that's, that's actually... The real story is I went up there and he goes, look, man, I don't even know your work. <laughs> <laughs> he said that to you? No, I'm being facetious. <laughs> look, man, look, man, in all sincerity, like, they don't make movies like this anymore. Mm -hmm. They don't, especially ones that get better with, like, the number five, six, and seven. Mm -hmm. they, they don't get... So it's no secret these guys are story. They chase story and they chase character. And that's what, obviously, I'm interested in, in addition to all the, the, the locales that we get to visit. And then for him, like, I don't... I never want to be in a mentor role, but if you have someone that really loves acting... I got all the time in the world for it. And that's what's going to build the... I knew that was what was going to build these. But you can't create chemistry. You just got to... It's got to unfold. And then through that, you know, we get a chance to really go on a ride and try mm -hmm. to chase Ethan, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You feel that chemistry. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah. That means a lot. Thank you, man. Thank you. Good to see you. Oh, man. It's well, good to see you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. All right, well, that's that's the dynamic duo right there. Oh, yeah. We love them. They are a blast. The love best. those two. They're the best. Uh, but, you know, the fun's not over, Charles. Of course not. We talked to somebody who we've been dying to talk to for years, who's one of our favorite characters from the franchise. And I want to remind everybody, too, that they can watch all the other Mission Impossible films on Paramount Plus right now. So if you need to catch up, you know, go ahead, do it. But yes. we talked to Henry Cerny, a.k.a. Kittredge, on the red carpet, and we were thrilled. We were. This is, oh, man, this has been years in the making. We've been waiting to talk to Kittredge. Kittredge himself, Henry Cerny, this is great. And just to set it up also, you mentioned the Radio Silence guys. Can you just say who those people are for us, Drew, before we get into this interview? Yes. Uh, those are the, the, the filmmaking team behind Ready or Not and Scream 6, both of which he performed in. And uh, is very good. And so that's their, their, the name of their filmmaking team is called Radio Silence. And that's who I was referring to. Yeah. So here we go. This is on the red carpets. You're going to hear all kinds of fanfare in the background in these interviews. We've got a few of them here. But first up is Henry Cerny. And we hope you enjoy it. We're so excited to have you. We're a Mission Impossible podcast. We're obsessed. Awesome. The radio, the radio silence guys thought told me they'd text you a couple years ago. I never took them up on it. They're now you're finally here. I yeah. love those guys. And you're back in the yeah, French. It's reciprocal. I know. I love it. It's fantastic to 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 come up with a role. Uh, you know, when you're ten, <laughs> and then play it twenty five years later when you're thirty five. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, it's your, your favorite part of being Kittrich again? Go deeper. 
with the guy. Just go deeper. He's been through a lot. He's been through all the agencies. He's been schooled by Ethan. He's coming back to help school Ethan and learn from <laughs> Ethan. Uh, he's just deeper. He's just richer. He's just, he just, he thinks he knows more and he shares more. Yeah. You think Kate Richards has been in like kind of bouncing around the CIA all these years? Well, I like, think he's been bouncing around in all the different agencies trying to figure out how this big machine works yeah. and what he does to make the machine work for the benefit of his shareholders, which is the American people. Oh, I love I, it. wow. Yeah. Thank you so much for stopping. Oh, my pleasure. Come, come on along for a longer talk. We'd love to talk to you. Kittredge in the books. Yes, Kittredge. And we might have more from Kittredge down the line, don't you think, Drew? Oh, let me think <laughs> about that. Did we talk to Henry Cerny for an extended period of time about all things Mission Impossible and Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1? That, that might be true. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, you might want to hit that subscribe button. You might want to follow uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, if it's on Apple or Spotify or wherever, you know, because we're available wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, but we've got more red carpet interviews to get through. We got we got more people we talked to. Right, let's go. Let's who, who, who do it. We talked to it. next. We talked to the big bad himself, Esai Morales, who plays Gabriel in Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. This was also a thrill. Very excited to have you all hear our interview with Esai. He is a trip. How fun is it to play the villain? I mean, come on, and get paid for it. You know, it's uh, it's one thing to um, to be the hero, but I think to be the villain has a special kind of joy that, um, you know, in life I try to be as good a person as I can, so that on film I can be a dastardly. <laughs> Exercise those demons and keep them on camera, if you know what I mean. Plane was, I mean, the train was going 60 miles an hour. Were you up there with Tom? Train blows? Yeah. Okay. That was the first thing we did after training. That was the whole thing. The training and then the train. And, uh, you know, I hadn't done some stunts like that in a while. In my <laughs> tender youth, you know. And uh, it was just amazing. It was amazing. Singing in the Alps on the way back and forth from the takes. Like... <laughs> Tom and I singing, you know, the hills are alive. Were you singing with Tom? Yes. He's got a great voice, and we were harmonizing. We were doing Beatles songs. What, okay, what songs were you singing? Oh, my God. Um, uh, Queens, you know, We Are the Champions. <laughs> Come on, it's Tom Cruise. <laughs> on the train, were you doing it together? Yes, on the train. Wow. It's something I'll never forget, you know, um, singing The Hills Are Alive. And I think I'm the one that started because I'm a little crazy, and then, then we... <laughs> Just join because you know, he's a stat- he's professionally crazy. <laughs> you know? My crazy doesn't net as much as his crazy nets, and I'm trying to learn. But uh, it was it was an unforgettable experience. We'll be back with more Isai Morales on the red carpet after the break. Have you seen the movie yet? Oh, yeah. And let me tell you, I, I jumped a few times, and I'm in it, you know. <laughs> hey. But um, it was ultra-whelming is a word I've come up with. It's super sensory. <laughs> and, um, you know, some people can't travel. Some people don't have the opportunity to travel their whole lives. 
and I hope they will feel like they took more than, you know, a, a journey. I mean, it's not just being there, but it's being there in the perspective of the filmmakers and the characters. It's feeling the spirit and the soul of the locations, Rome, Venice, you know, the Alps. I mean, Abu Dhabi, you're talking David Lean, like, you know, classic movies are, they, these two guys, you know who I'm talking about? Oh yeah. T and McHugh, yeah. they know film so well that it's, it's amazing how they borrow from the best and make it their own. Yeah. Very well said. Thank you yeah. so much for talking Thank about you. Thank you, Gary. Come back on for longer sometime. Yes, we'd love okay. that. All right, good seeing you. Love Desai. Yes. I, lo I love ultra-whelming. Ultra-whelming is great. It's the pretty much the only <laughs> word to describe yes. this movie, and Isai Morales just made it up on the red carpet. So, you know, that's what I love. One of the many things I love about him, he is scary in this movie. He is very, very bad. And um, yeah, we can't wait to. Hopefully, we'll get him for a little longer too, because we gotta we gotta figure out what Gabriel's whole deal is. You know? Oh yeah, he's a slippery weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, and now we've got one more interview from the red carpet. This is Eddie Hamilton, the editor of Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. He also edited Top Gun: Maverick and Mission Impossible: Fallout and Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation. He is the most brilliant editor, and we have just we've talked to him multiple times on our old show. He is a wonderful human being. We just adore Eddie. So excited for everyone to hear us talk to him on the red carpet, right, Drew? Oh yeah, I mean, not only the loveliest person, but also the most talented. I can't imagine what it was like putting this movie together and. Boy, does he knock it out of the park. So this was the first time we had seen him after seeing the movie, and uh, I think the excitement is palpable, Charles. Would you say that? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So take a listen. Eddie Hamilton, you're here. How you feeling? I'm very excited. I, I can't... I mean, this is insane, isn't it? It's so... Considering we started... When was it? In 2020? Fall of 2020? There was nobody in Rome <laughs> because it was <laughs> everyone was locked down and we were filming. If you look at the movie in the three establishing shots of Rome, there are no cars and no people on the road <laughs> because it was like in the middle, the height of COVID. And yeah, here we are. And wow, it's amazing that we're here. It's so exciting. What was the most challenging part? I mean, seeing the movie makes me realize why you were crying yourself to sleep every night for three years. <laughs> I wasn't crying myself to sleep. We have a great team on these films. I've got a great team of assistant editors. And McHugh is uh, an additional editor. I mean, quite frankly, people go, why aren't there more than one editor on this movie? And I say, well, there is another editor on this movie. It's Chris McQuarrie. He sits with me and we work on it shoulder to shoulder every day. And he really understands the power of editing. He really discovers these movies in the editing room. Up to the point of editing, he's just kind of gathering ingredients. He's not quite sure how it's all going to go together, but he knows that in some way, like... The big airport sequence, which is intercut with all kinds of stuff, with Ethan doing this, Benji doing this, Luther doing this. It was a real challenge, and we iterated it for, you know, two years. First assembled that scene in, like, Christmas 2020, yeah, and now... Yeah, so, and it, but it's refined and refined and refined and refined and refined, and we never settle for just, you know, okay. We always strive to make sure every frame is as good as it can be, you know, from beginning to end. How do you feel about the podcast being official? It's amazing. I'm so thrilled for you guys. I, you can't get I, rid of us. I know. I'm, I'm, no, no, I'm, I'm so excited. It's very, very cool that, you know, the two Mission Impossible fans started a podcast where they were talking just about the TV show and the movies 
and then it rolled into kind of interviewing 200 people involved in the franchise <laughs> and then magically you know you get Tom Cruise on the show on your 200th episode and then magically we're here at the premiere for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 thank you thank okay. you so much so good to see thank you, you. And that's it for Eddie Hamilton. If you want more of Eddie Hamilton, let us point you in the direction, Charles. Let's point everybody to... Let's point. Let's point him. Uh, <laughs> over 200 episodes of our old show, uh, Light the Fuse, the unofficial Mission Impossible podcast. It is available <laughs> on SoundCloud as well as our website, lightthefusepodcast.com. Yep. And there you can find an episode guide on our website that gives you a way to search through all our old episodes if you're so inclined. You can check out everything that we did back there for f- the first five years of that show, which was uh, an amazing time for us. Many, many hours with Eddie Hamilton about his work on Fallout and Rogue Nation, as well as Top Gun Maverick. So check that out. Yes. And what else should people check out, Charles? Well, I think people should uh, make sure to rate and review Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Maybe leave us a five-star review if you get a chance. I don't know. If you like it. Yeah, Five stars or nothing. If you're thinking about a four star review, just just walk away. Pull your finger away from the yeah. phone and just, just walk keep away. Moving, yeah, keep moving. <laughs> um, but I, also, everyone should see Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One only in theaters July 12th. Yeah, that's tomorrow, Charles. Yeah, you have your tickets. Yeah, it's time. I've got my tickets, of course. Okay. Yeah, I'm super okay, excited. Good. All right, good. Uh, and yeah, just be sure to follow. If you want to follow me and Charles too on social media, I'm at Drew Tailored, like a tailored shirt. Charles is Charles Hood, but with zeros instead of O's. And that's on Instagram and Twitter. And obviously the, the podcast itself, like the Fuse Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And what else, Charles? I think that's it. We've got plenty more coming your way. We're very, very excited for you to hear all our episodes coming up. Just so much more on the way. Can't wait for you to hear it. So you're saying guaranteed episodes on Tuesday, but this first month just <laughs> going to be maybe some it. bonus uh, episodes hey, as well you're going to get. Be yeah. coy, are we? Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> looking forward to it, Charles. And we can't thank you guys enough for listening to Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast. Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast, is produced by Charles Hood. That's me and Drew Taylor. This episode was edited by Luke Burson with music by Kevin Blumenfeld. Original Mission Impossible themes by Lalo Schifrin. This podcast is a production of Paramount Pictures. All rights are reserved. This message will self-destruct in five seconds. 